Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. It's good to be uh, back with you. It was nice to, to get away last week and uh, I thank Vic for, for preaching in my absence, and uh, thanks to the tech team, I was able to tune in and watch online and worship along with you last Sunday, so that was a blessing, and uh, welcome to, to those who are worshiping online with us this morning. Uh, after the, the job that Vic did last week, I thought, you know, you might tell me to stay away a couple more weeks, uh, but it's good to be back with you anyway, and, and you're stuck with me, but uh, thank you, Vic. Uh, if you would, please sign the attendance pads that are in the pews so that we have a record of your presence here in worship with us this morning. This is Communion Sunday, and the communion kits are on the table in the narthex. Hopefully you picked one up on your way in. If you forgot, uh, they are out there in the narthex, and feel free to go out and get one so that you have that for uh, communion. At the end of the service, if you're worshiping with us online, I'd encourage you to go ahead and grab some bread and some juice so that you can celebrate the sacrament with us as well. The uh, poinsettia order form is in your bulletin. These orders are due in by next Sunday, so don't wait. Get your order in now for your poinsettias to decorate the sanctuary here uh, for Christmas, and then you're able to take that home with you after the Christmas Eve service. Uh, the uh, blue Christmas service is this afternoon. Music begins at 2.15 and the service at 2.30, so you're invited to that blue Christmas service. And if you know of somebody who is going through a difficult time, or uh, maybe uh, dealing with some grief during the holidays, make sure that they know about that Blue Christmas service today as well and offer an invitation to them uh, to come with you. Next Sunday is going to be a big, uh, big day here at Faith Community. We have the Community Christmas Concert Band uh, next uh, Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock, and everybody is invited to that. And then at 5 o'clock, we have our church-wide uh, church family Christmas celebration. So I hope that you will join us for both of those uh, events next Sunday as we uh, celebrate Christmas together and get in the Christmas spirit as, as a church. I believe that's all the announcements that I have this morning. We uh, come together to worship God, and so I invite you into an attitude of worship, and I invite you to stand as you're able for the call to worship. Please join me for the call to worship. The day of God is coming. Lift up your voices. Cry out with the strength God provides. We await God's coming day with anticipation. We seek the peace and patience God provides. Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. Speak tenderly to my suffering people. We will prepare the way for one who is coming. We look forward to baptism in the Spirit. God will feed us like a shepherd. God will gather us in gentle, caring arms. God's hand is upon us in blessing. We are welcomed by God's steadfast love. Please remain standing. You may turn in your hymn books to 213, or you can see on the TV the lyrics on our opening hymn, Lift Up Your Heads, Ye Mighty Gates.
please be seated. I invite you to join me in our opening prayer. Righteous and holy God, your glory is revealed to us day by day as valleys of despair are lifted up and mountainous problems are leveled. In your presence, we see more than our immediate situation. We catch a glimpse of your eternal purposes. So come among us now and speak your word of hope. Feed us with your truth and equip us to welcome Christ's coming. Amen. Psalm 42 asks, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my hope and my God. Psalm 146 promises, Blessed are those whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Our hope is not in the empty promises of this world, but in the sure and certain hope of eternal life in Jesus Christ. In his name, we light the candle of hope. Let us all pray. God of promise, our hope is in you. When this world tempts us to despair, restore to us the hope of your kingdom that we may find blessing in you. Amen. You may remain seated as you turn in your hymn books or um, avert your gaze to the lyrics on the TV for O Little Town of Bethlehem, number 230.
offer our hearts to God now in a time of silent prayer. O oh Lord, during this season of Advent waiting, we await your coming to us once again, Lord. Lord, we know that there is still darkness in this world, but you are the light, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. Lord, let your light shine throughout this world. May your peace be seen between nations and between neighbors, within families. May you heal all of the brokenness that we see. It is by your mercy, Lord, by your grace that these things happen. Lord, there is trouble even in our lives, but we know that you are the one who is strong enough and loving enough to do what is best for each one of us. And so we turn to you and await your glory to be revealed in our lives in a mighty way. We seek your grace and we await to see the good things that you are doing. Give us eyes to see even where it is difficult, Lord. We know that you are at work and so we trust you we turn ourselves over to you. We turn our loved ones over to you because we know that you are our hope and our salvation. Lord, we lift up ourselves and we lift up our church to you that we may be your holy people, that the world might see your coming into this world through the ministries and the missions that we partake in. Lord, may we be your hands and your feet in this season and throughout the year. We pray all of this in Jesus' name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite the ushers to come forward now as we present ourselves to God through the giving of our tithes and our offerings.
Please join in the prayer of dedication. While we are waiting and preparing for Christ to appear, we are seeking, O God, to ask as faithful followers. May our offerings extend the promise of salvation to people whose lives are broken by neglect, abuse, bad choices, and sinful ways. May these gifts offer hope to all whose suffering and loss seem too heavy to bear. May our church be a listening, caring presence for all its members and through us for all those we meet in our work and leisure. Amen. Please be seated.
Amen. The scripture lesson is from Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah And Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Christmas morning was a magical time for me when I was a kid. And let's be honest, for a kid growing up in middle-class America, the magic of Christmas morning had nothing to do with the baby Jesus lying in a manger, or the journey of wise men from the east, or the visitation of angels to shepherds out in the field. For a kid growing up in middle-class America, the magic of Christmas morning was about all of the toys. My family lived in a two-story house. The bedrooms were upstairs. The living room with the Christmas tree and the wonders that attended it was just at the bottom of the stairs. My brother and I were not allowed to to go downstairs on Christmas morning before our parents were up and, and ready to go down with us, but trust me, we never had to wait very long. We didn't let them sleep in. As soon as we got the go-ahead, my brother and I would race down the stairs, and before we even got to the bottom, we would take stock of the bounty. How massive was the pile of packages, and how big were the boxes? As a child, I I was never disappointed. The, The stack of wrapped gifts was truly an impressive sight. Not just under the tree, but in front of the tree and all around the tree. Year after year, I would see that massive mound of gifts and think to myself, this is going to be the best Christmas ever. Because again, to a child growing up in middle-class America, that mound of gifts is what made Christmas Christmas. I know it's not supposed to be that way. Even as a kid, I knew it wasn't supposed to be that way, but we have to deal in reality, right? When you give a child the hope that there are going to be more fantastic gifts than they receive all the rest of the year combined, that hope of getting all the biggest and best stuff that their earthly hearts desire, that's going to be the defining hope of Christmas. The Grinch wanted to steal Christmas, and so he came up with a wonderful, awful idea. 
to steal all of the things that make up the Christmas celebration, not least of which was all of the toys. He, he wanted the, the Who children to, to respond when they woke up on Christmas morning and ran down the stairs to find that, that not only was their mound of toys under the tree gone, even the tree itself was gone. This Advent, our, our Sunday school classes are using a book called The Heart That Grew Three Sizes, Finding Faith in the Story of the Grinch. It's based on that old famous story by Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That book was published in 1957. It was made into a half-hour animated television special in 1966, and it's been a classic of the Christmas season ever since. In the story, the Grinch, who hates Christmas, and in the book that word hate is italicized, the Grinch hated Christmas. So he came up with a plan that would stop the holiday from coming. Why the Grinch hated Christmas so much, we don't really know. The name of the story is not why the Grinch stole Christmas, but how the Grinch stole Christmas. The full-length movie starring Jim Carrey as the Grinch, that gave the character a backstory exploring that question of why, which so fascinates us. But in the original story, Dr. Seuss merely offers a few theories about the Grinch's head not being screwed on quite right, or his shoes being too tight, and then offering his own opinion But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Whatever his motive, the Grinch's objective was to stop Christmas from coming. And how better to do that than to steal everything that makes Christmas Christmas? Dressed up as Santa Claus, he snuck into the Who's home on Christmas Eve and stole all of their decorations, stole all of their food for feasting, including the roast beast. He stole all of their toys. He even stuck the Christmas tree up the chimbley, packed it up with their presents, their ribbons, their wrappings, their snoof and their fuzzles, their triglers and trappings. 10,000 feet up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip-top to dump it. The Grinch imagined that the Who girls and boys waking up the next morning, would find that Christmas was gone. He imagined that there would be no singing, no feasting, no joy. They would have no reason to celebrate because he, the Grinch, had stolen Christmas away from them. And it's a perfectly reasonable expectation when you think about it. I know I would have been heartbroken as a child if I came running down the stairs on Christmas morning and there was no tree, no stockings, no mound of presents, And my mom's Christmas cookies, oh, don't you dare take away my mom's Christmas cookies. How could we even have Christmas without any of those things? Yes, the Grinch was perfectly reasonable in his expectations of what would happen on Christmas morning. Of course, you know, that's not what ended up happening. Christmas came anyway. The Who's gathered to sing anyway. There was joy and celebration anyway. The Grinch may have stolen all of the trappings, but he failed to steal Christmas. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more? Of course, Christmas means much, much more. That's what the the Grinch learned, causing his heart to grow three sizes that day. 
It was a learning and a growing experience for the Grinch. But I think that perhaps that Christmas was uh, a little more special even for the Who's because of the prophetic actions of the Grinch. That's right, I use the word prophetic in relation to the Grinch. Not that the Grinch himself was a prophet, not, not that he was righteous in any way. The Grinch was mean and nasty. But he did play a prophetic role in this story. The scripture we read today is from the Old, prophet, the Old Testament prophet Malachi. It's a prophecy that looks forward to the Messiah and to a forerunner, a messenger who will prepare the way of the Lord. As people of the New Testament, we know that the Messiah of whom Malachi spoke is Jesus, and we know too that the messenger who will prepare the way of the Lord was John the Baptist. We usually think of the coming of the Lord as as a glorious and wonderful thing. The story of Jesus' birth is, is full of wonder, and it fills our minds with images of peace and joy. But the prophets often had a very different way of looking at the coming of the Lord. Who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? The prophets often saw and spoke of the day of the Lord's coming as a fearful thing, a threat. Why? Because when the Lord comes, he will upend our way of living. When the Lord comes, he will judge all of our iniquities and allow them to stand no more. When the Lord comes, he will put an end to traditions that we have held so dear. When the Lord comes, he will change everything, including us. And we people aren't so great about embracing change, are we? We like things the way that we like them, the way that we're used to things being. We, we like being in control. We like being settled. We like having our traditions. We like our way of living. When the Lord comes, He will challenge all of that. Who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? Nobody. Nobody can stand when he appears because nobody is worthy to stand in his presence. For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. The way Malachi writes this section, it's hard to tell if he's talking here about the Lord or about the messenger who comes to prepare the way of the Lord. I I think the lesson actually applies to both, and and I want to consider each. First, the messenger sent to prepare the way of the Lord, John the Baptist. John came preaching repentance. John proclaimed baptism for the repentance, for for the forgiveness of sins. John taught the people that what they had made out of their religion was not right. They needed to be purified. They needed to be washed clean, not just in body but in spirit. They needed to, to get back to the heart of what life is all about. Faith. Faith in God. Faithful living with one another. In a sense, John the Baptist and Malachi before him was stealing all of the fancy wrappings out from under the Christmas tree. A refiner's fire burns all of the dross away from the silver until nothing impure is left, but only the pure silver. John the Baptist 
used the, the waters of the Jordan River rather than the fire of a refiner. But the point was the same. The, the meaning was unchanged. He was burning away the dross of their religion. He was washing away the impurities of their traditions and their comfortable, self-serving ways of living. He was taking away everything that they had relied upon to bring them happiness in this life and leaving them with nothing else but God. The Grinch left nothing behind in the homes of the Who's, not even a crumb for a mouse. But he could not steal away God. He could not take away Christ. He could not get his hands on their faith. That was all that the Who's had left. And as it turns out, that was all they needed to celebrate Christmas. Because in the end, that's all that Christmas is really about. And so, in a sense, even though he didn't mean to, even though this was not his intention at all, the Grinch did the Who's a favor by taking everything else away. Like a refiner's fire, he burned away all that was impure, all that looked like Christmas and sounded like Christmas and tasted like Christmas, but wasn't truly the pure heart of Christmas. Like Fuller's soap, he scrubbed the hooves down to their core. And at their core, what still remained was God. The message of Malachi, scary as it is, who wants to be burned with a refiner's fire? Who wants to be scrubbed raw with Fuller's soap? Not me. But scary as the imagery is, it is a message of hope. The people have become hopelessly separated from God by their sin. They were so accustomed to their way of life, they didn't even realize that it was sin. They were so acculturated into their sin, there was no hope in them finding their way back to God. Well, perhaps not no hope. Their situation wasn't entirely hopeless. It was hopeless if they were depending upon themselves to do it. But the message of Malachi and of all of the prophets is that God would do it for them. They could not purify themselves, but the Lord would purify them. They could not clean themselves up but God would wash away their sin. They could not save themselves, but the Lord was coming to save them. It would be painful. It would be scary. It would mean giving up all of their ways, even the things that they had perhaps thought defined their world. But once God had taken all of that away, they would be pure. They would be holy. And they would be His. The Lord would be their God. That is the glimmer of hope found even in the darkness of Malachi. That is the glimmer of hope found even in the darkness of that night in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. For although we make that night out to be peaceful and calm and silent, it was nothing of the sort. It was a night 
that would overturn the world. The Lord had entered into this world of sickness and sin in order to burn away everything that is impure. He came to steal away all that our culture and our selfish gluttonous hearts tell us we need in order to be happy. He came to overturn our entire way of living, our way of thinking, our way of being, to take all away so that we would realize that in the end all we really have and all that we really need is God. So yes, I do think that the Grinch plays a prophetic role. All the things that he steals are are the things that the prophets tell us are going to be taken away from us anyway. Burned away, washed away, stolen away, whatever. None of it will remain when only that which is pure is left. And that pureness that remains, that is what we really need. That is what really matters. That is what truly lasts. Last year when COVID threatened to steal Christmas, we were forced to reevaluate our traditions. Was it okay to pack the sanctuary full of people on Christmas Eve as in days of old? How much singing could we do and how close could we be to one another as we did it? Was it really a good idea to to pass a flame from one person to another when we're supposed to stay six feet apart? And how smart is it to hold an open flame while wearing a cloth mask? And then you have everyone pulling down their mask to blow out their candle and blowing their germs all over one another. But how could we have Christmas without all those traditions? Perhaps COVID was trying to steal Christmas like the Grinch. But then again, perhaps it was doing a favor by burning away some of the dross and some of the trappings and forcing us to seriously and prayerfully consider what it is that really matters in the first place. What is it that makes Christmas Christmas? For me as a kid, it was that mound of presents under and around the tree. And as my brother and I grew older, that that mound tended to grow smaller year after year. But Christmas didn't depart. As adults, we know that receiving a bunch of gifts isn't truly what makes Christmas. I hope you realize that anyway. But we do still have a habit of making it about all these other things. I hope we'll have a full sanctuary this Christmas. I hope we'll sing all of my favorite carols this year. I hope the sermon doesn't go on for too long. I hope it snows just enough to make it pretty, but not so much to stick on the streets. It's okay to hope for those things, but that's not the hope of Christmas. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Hearts and lives purified unto righteousness because of what the Lord has done for us. That is the hope of Christmas. Amen. I invite you now to join with me in the prayer of the great thanksgiving as we
prepare to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. If you'd like to follow along in the hymnals, you can find it beginning on page 13. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things and the rich you send away empty. Your own son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. I invite you now to take the bread, the body of Christ, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. And the juice, the cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ, take and drink in remembrance of him. 
Let us pray. Precious Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for coming down from heaven into this world to be our Savior. We thank you for your faithful and righteous way of living, showing us the way of life. And we thank you for your faithfulness and obedience of going even to the cross so that we might be redeemed. You are our life and our salvation. We thank you for this holy meal in which you have given of your grace to us once again. Continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may be your holy people. Amen. I invite you to stand now as you are able for our closing hymn, which is uh, in the hymnals at number 245 and on the screens, the first Noel.
May that refiner's fire burn away all that is impure, all that doesn't really matter, so that we may be pure and that we may celebrate a pure and holy Christmas. Amen. Thank you.